Welcome back to Aliyah Yami. Today we're going to be learning the last Aliyah in Lech Lecha, Lech Lecha Shvi'i. Our Aliyah is about circumcision and it runs for 21 psukim from Perik Yud Zayin, Pasuk Zayin to Chav Zayin. Let's take a look at a basic summary of the Aliyah and then we'll look at some points to ponder. So Hashem now is continuing the conversation after having changed Avram's name to Avraham. He tells him that he's going to establish a covenant which is going to be intergenerational between Hashem and his uh, his ge- uh, generations, yeah, um, and this is going to tell them that there's going they're going to get the land, the land which is sojourning in it, if he keeps the the bris. What is this covenant? The covenant is is to circumcise the foreskin um, of their children at eight days old. Any of their children, any of their possessions, meaning to say any slaves, also Mikdash Kaspo needs to be circumcised, as well, all males need to be circumcised. Um, and uh, anybody who's not, that, that this is so serious, this is so foundational to the nation, that not having a bris milah will excommunicate you from that nation, from the nation of Israel. So Hashem then tells Avram that his wife's name, Sarai, will have to be changed to Sarah, now, instead of with a yud at the end, with a hay at the end, and he promises to bless both of them, and and with many nations, with many many people that will come out of them. Avram Avinu, hearing all this news, is is falls on his face. He's, he he laughs and he, and he says, "Is it possible that such old people can have children?" And he turns to Hashem and he says, shouldn't wouldn't it be great if Yishmael could live in front of you?" And Hashem says, "No." You're going to have a child from with Sarah, and his name is going to be Yitzhak, and he is the one that's going to have the eternal covenant with him. I'm going to increase him dramatically, and I'm going to keep my covenant with him. At this point in time, Avraham listens, and he goes and he, he circumcises his, uh, himself, Yishmael, and everybody who is part of his household. We hear that he does this at the age of 99, Yishmael's at the age of 13, and he does this, this, this covenant. He does this covenant of circumcision. This is a basic summary of the Aliyah. Let's think about some points to ponder. First of all is why the name changes. Why is Avram, Avram changed to Avraham? And why is Sarai changed to Sarah? Um, so the Sarai to Sarah. So the Rashi explains that Avraham, really the name Avram at the beginning was Av-Aram, was the father of, Ra, uh, of Aram. That was his locale. But now he's being transformed into Avhamon Goyim, the father of many nations. It's interesting that um, Christianity and Islam which, uh, which uh, were spin-offs. They, they took Judaism and changed it in many ways, still accept Abraham as being the founding father. So Avraham and Goyim, even those um, who, who found a different path, um, are Av, Avraham Avinu is part of that as well, uh, prophetically as it was said over here. Similarly, Sarai means my princess, my queen, uh, which is very much personal, and the expansion of her role in the world is Sarah as really a, a queen of the world, a princess of the world. Rav Soloveitchik explains that the Yud of her will call a personal being, which is Sarai, went to Yoshua, who needed to escape the Ada, the community of Miraglim. So he needed to be less universal, he needed to be more um, personal and specific, which is what happened, which is why he needed to have this. Rav Soloveitchik also adds another idea, and that is, is that being childless for many years was a terribly painful process for them, especially with all the promises of having so many children. So the realization that Avram and Sarah are having now is that they have the capacity to influence the world through their teachings as they have been doing. And that really makes them the parents. A parent is the person who has the possibility and the gift of being able to influence other people and change their lives. When Avram and Sarah realize that they actually have that capacity before they even have children, 
then they can they are able to have children as well. But it's not dependent necessarily on the biological reality, or per se. That's what Rav Soloveitchik says in his in, in the book Family Redeemed, based on his lectures. Another question: What is the idea of the bris milah? Obviously, it is exerus akasav. It's the decree of the Torah. But can we give some meaning to what this decree is? Why this is important as well? The Svorna points out that it, it is a covenant which is on the limb of a man, which is the conduit, conduit for continuity. It is the, the limb used for reproduction, which is about continuity and therefore transmission of the covenant. So in the very process of creating the next generation, there is a covenant marked on that limb to, in, to, to connect one generation to the other. The Malam says that, it, and this is what many Mepharshim say, it is... Um, also an important idea of lowering the physical pursuits in life. Certainly one of those, as Freud talks about, is a sexual desire. And so it's on the limb that relates to sexuality itself that a person needs to have a reminder, a perspective that this is not just about physical pursuits in this world as well. Another perspective the Malam shares is that it is a distinguishing mark. It is almost like the, this... The, the insignia, the, the tattoo, so to speak, of the slave to remind ourselves that we are subdued to our Shevin. The whole nation has that same sign upon them as well. It's interesting to note that the Sefer Tarmah Amin Hagim quotes the, the Rebbe of Bells, who says a very beautiful thing, and that is, is that the Brismila is something performed by a father upon his son or a mother upon her, her son. But it is never that what a person does for themselves, except in unique situations where their parents where one's parents did not do it, um, which means to say that in a certain sense, the first mitzvah in a young boy's life is not performed by himself. And the fulfillment of it is really, therefore, an intergenerational, the connecting between one generation and the next. The previous generation now starts the first mitzvah in a child's life by giving over to that child, and they will have fulfilled the mitzvah by giving it over to their children as well. So it's this intergenerational connector as well, which is a very beautiful perspective. Now, when does the kares, the excommunication, kick in? So the Ramam, in the beginning of Hilchas Mila, in his Sefer Mishnah Torah, describes that, if a, that a person will only uh, receive kares, excommunication, if a person dies as an uncircumcised person. He describes the triage first, that's the responsibility of the father to circumcise this, his son. But if the father does not do it, I mean, such, as such an instance, then Bastin has a responsibility to do it at the, uh, the court, and if not, a person has a responsibility to do it for himself. However, um, the kores, the excommunication, only happens at the end of one's life when one is absolutely not fulfilled this mitzvah. The Ravid, Rabbeinu Avram, disagrees with the Ramam and says that a person receives kores on a day-by-day -day basis by not being circumcised when they are able to, and they know that they are able to, and yet they don't. The one of the explanations as to what this machlokes can mean, what this dispute is about, is whether the mitzvah is to be circumcised or to circumcise, whether the, the commandment is to be circumcised or to be, to circumcise. According to the Rambam, it's the mitzvah is to um, is to circumcise, and therefore a person has not reneged upon that unless they end their life in a, a, in a state of of uh, being uncircumcised. Whereas according to the Ravid, it is a state of being circumcised, and that continues throughout one's life, and one's missing that every moment that one is not doing it. Why does Avraham Avinu laugh? So it's interesting that Sarah is going to laugh at the beginning of the next week's parasha in Vayera, and she is, in a certain sense, reprimanded for that. But the laugh of Avram of Yad, the Mepharshim explained, is not one of incredulousness and disbelief. It's rather an expression of belief 
and just the, the sheer shock and happiness of knowing that such a miraculous thing can be possible as well. In fact, the Targum describes it in a different word than as Sarah's laughing later on. It's an expression of chedva, of simcha, rather than an expression of of, tzachayk, of, of scorning or questioning. Now, why is it that Avraham Avinu asks right here that Yishmael should live in front of Hashem? So the Torah explains that the reason is, is because he, um, he was concerned that hearing that he's going to have another child would mean that Yishmael would have to die. He says, please let Yishmael live. The Radak says, no. He saw that this is, this is such an incredible destiny that's, that's been promised. He says, wouldn't it be better if this destiny could be fulfilled on Yishmael? Why? As Rashi explains, because he didn't feel worthy of the gifts or the miraculous ideas that Hashem is talking about. So perhaps it could be that it works with Yishmael, but Hashem says, no, I have other plans for Yishmael. Yitzhak is going to be your destiny and nation. With this, we close. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful day and a great show.